0: Welcome to State House Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my reports on public radio stations across the state. It is Friday. It is September 22nd. We're in Little Amps. It's 11 a.m. The legislature's not here at the moment, but they could be at some point soon. Um, with me are Charlie Thompson of Penn Live and Angela Columbus of the Philly Inquirer. Thanks for coming down, guys.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Um, All right, so we had sort of, I don't know, it feels like all the weeks have kind of blended together, but we had a credit downgrade at the end of last week. um, That came after we, or at the beginning of this week, that came after we delayed several payments at the end of last week, and we sort of have budget negotiations starting into a new era after the House and Senate both passed plans that were rejected by the other chamber. So now they're allegedly negotiating together, something we haven't seen them really doing before. I guess we'll just we'll start with the credit downgrade. Uh, what does that mean? Neither one of you, Charlie?
2: Well, um, I'll tell you what. I mean, it, to me, it, it feels uh, a little anticlimactic. Um, <laughs> well, this because, has been hanging over their heads forever. Right, and it it, it may have been the uh, most uh, overrated story of the budget cycle. I don't know. I shouldn't be too dismissive of it, but here's why I say that. I mean, it feels like. Ever since February, we've had this specter of a credit downgrade kind of looming over us, and um, this week it happened. And um, as we see, the sun still shines on Harrisburg, and schools are still open, and
0: well, sure. it's not yeah. prisons yeah, are still. Impact. I know,
2: but 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 the point is, I mean, uh, yeah, we. I think many of us tried to look into what does it mean right. to try to explain that to our readers, and it, it's. Um, what it comes down to is, is it will increase the cost of borrowing and the state borrows billions of dollars every year and, and that's a poor position to be in um, it's uh, but but the fact of the matter is the increased cost of borrowing is is probably um, about what from what I understand two point five to five million dollars a year in new debt service payments for every billion dollars borrowed so, if we borrow or refinance three billion dollars in bonds, um, it could be 15 million to 30 million dollars hit. And the fact of the matter is that in a 30 billion dollar budget, it's um, it's a it's a it's an almost uh, it, it's a rounding error. And uh, it's um, so I, it's it's hard for me to with a straight face, tell my readers that it's that big a deal. Where it is a bigger deal is is kind of in the, the PR and the image that Pennsylvania projects to the rest of the country about our fiscal stability. And that's a thing, but but even there, um, you know, I, I don't know, I, I talked to a site selection expert because, you know, everybody's fascinated about this Amazon HQ2 story. and. Um, a lot of legislators were saying, you know, that, that's a terrible thing f- to happen for us when we're trying to get people to invest in Pennsylvania and bring jobs here and so forth, but m- the fellow I talked to said that really um, when you talk about something like Amazon, they're, they're not going to make a decision about Pennsylvania because of a Standard & Poor's credit downgrade. It's going to be more about... Uh, do they have a workforce here that we can tap? Do they have access to markets? Do they have a good public transportation system? This
1: is only a small part of Pennsylvania yeah. overall.
2: What's the quality yeah. of life like? You sure. know.
1: Yeah. Although the other thing on Amazon is that uh, you know they do look to see whether there's going to be some sort of an incentive package offered to them by the state, and and certainly. Um, Secretary Davin and Governor Wolf have, have said pledged support towards the two cities at least publicly, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, who have expressed interest in trying to lure Amazon. But some of some of what they're going to need um, in terms of an aid package, if they're going to offer it, is. The legis- is going to need legislative approval, um, and I think if you're Amazon, you're looking at, at the state capital and saying, "My goodness, these guys can't get it together. They cannot agree on really fundamental, you know, policies about how to pay for, you know, the state budget. So how am I going to be able to rely on?" the word of Governor Wolf when he says, you know what, I can give you X, you know, millions and these credits and, and so on and so forth. So I think the Amazon question is kind of like an, an interesting and fascinating one, but I agree fundamentally with Charlie that, look, for the average person, you know, a credit downgrade is not the end of the world. I think what is more um, problematic as if this impasse stretches on into October is that, again, you know, you're, you have revenues not coming in at the pace that bills are due, and there are some big hefty bills due next month, including yeah. an, an aid to, to school districts. And
0: that's what I really wanted to get to, too, because, like, this... You know, credit thing, it's a component of the larger fiscal picture. And the thing that pushed Standard & Poor's over the line with downgrading us was the fact that late last week we didn't pay a very large Medicaid payment insur- to insurers that was due. It was over a right. billion dollars. And so yeah, the, that's significant. Um, the,
2: sure, the, the symptoms of, of why we got this credit downgrade are, are all not good things. And I, I don't misunderstand me on that. I'm just saying that um, the credit grade downgrade has happened, and I, I just don't necessarily see that it's, uh, you know, that, that's yeah. that's not a parade of horribles for Pennsylvania. Yeah, sure,
0: absolutely. So then in getting into, so we did delay yeah. a huge payment, um, and you mentioned we have more that are due. Right. It's been very difficult, we were just talking about this, to figure out exactly right. what is due when and how right. much the state has to pay and how much money it will have at that time. Um But what are you hearing about our payment schedules?
1: Um, What I've been told is that mid-next month there is another payment due to um, Medicaid providers, basically the insurers that provide the benefits to Medicaid recipients. And I had heard that in the
0: middle of next month-ish is when we also hit another
1: low spot in revenues. Yes, Um, although like you pointed out earlier, it's been really hard to kind of get them to even give us what their projections are uh, for how money comes in. But at the end of the month, um, I talked to um, School Boards Association, they said that there is a significant uh, <clears throat> payment that is due to school districts. Um, end of October? End of October. I believe it's like the last Thursday of the month. Yeah. And I believe the number that was quoted to me was close to a billion dollars. So. If you're a school district that has reserves that, you know, may be able to kind of shuffle the books around, that's fine. But the the point that the school board uh, association person was making was that if you are a struggling school district whose budget relies very much on state aid because your local revenue base is, is not good, Uh, you're going to start to hear some squealing and some um, real repercussions from them not being able to reach an agreement.
0: Yeah, and this is, I mean, it's all hypothetical at this point because we don't know if those payments are going to be able to be made. Um, A spokesman for the governor I talked to said they're not expecting to delay major ones. But again, I mean, a lot of that is going to depend on, you know, how revenues do, whether or not the budget's done at that point. Um, because and i think we do talk about this like it's a, like an if then situation budget's not done so there's no money it's really more complicated than that we wouldn't have revenues anyway right now usually the treasurer gives us a loan to tide us over because right. the yeah. revenues come in later anyway But he won't give us a loan until the budget's done. And there's been some discussion about whether or not that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about that briefly, actually, because we've heard from Republicans that the treasurer – this is House Republicans specifically – that the treasurer should be authorizing additional loans because we're mostly balanced. We have that $2.2 billion, but we're okay for at least several more months with that. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, they're saying that Governor Wolf should have, you know, frozen some spending last year because obviously revenues were too low. What do you make of that, Charlie?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I'm familiar with the argument. I mean, and, and they they have a valid point. I mean, the, the Treasury last year um, advanced the state or, or created a line of credit, I guess would be the best analogy for, for listeners, $2.5 billion last August um, because of our cash flow problems. And uh, this year in August, um, the new Treasurer, Joe Torcella, basically capped it at 750 million, which is less than a third of what um, the Treasurer did in 2016. So that that's, um, that's kind of uh, ratcheted up the pressure on this cash flow problem that you were talking about. And um, the Republicans, Believe that that is um, somewhat um, you're you're forcing a crisis that that doesn't really have right, to be a crisis, treasure, yeah, yeah, to ratchet up the pressure on us to raise taxes and that sort of thing.
0: But then Torcella, yeah,
2: well he he um, he actually was at our our main office yesterday for an editorial board meeting, and we asked him about this, and I mean to to his view. He's he uh, he would tell you that he's taking a very principled stand, based on the fact that, okay, you guys haven't even completed the budget yet. So um, last year, then treasurer Timothy Reese did do 2.5 billion dollars, and. But there was a full budget in place that was balanced on paper <laughs> at that later time. later
1: in the fiscal year, I believe.
2: Well, I think that authorization came in, in August. August, but, late, uh, August. Yeah. late August. Late um, so August. But that's a significant difference to Torcella, that, that we don't have that budget. And, um, and furthermore, he believes that the practice, the very practice of, of relying on Treasury to, to use its short-term investment pool to, to cover us every year is just... Papering over a, a more fundamental flaw that, where and this is ver, where he very much aligns with Governor Wolf that you know there's there's fundamental um, structural deficit that we have to deal with and, and that's
0: what standard and poor has so said as well. He
2: believes that he's showing uh, kind of I guess you'd call a tough love to Pennsylvania and saying I'm cutting you off at 750 million and and. Um, so you're you're going to have to you're going to have to work out your problems yeah. and and then you can come talk to me and maybe we can do more but so that's where that stands yeah I mean.
1: and you can't completely divorce i think politics from from this whole situation of i think from his perspective, uh, probably the only pressure point left in, in this whole uh, process is that, is the fact that the treasurer has kind of, has has pretty much said, listen, I'm not going to lend you money and I'm not going to sign off on you going and, and borrowing money. So you need to figure it out soon. You need to get together and figure it out. Um, but, you know, from a fiscal perspective, yeah, I, you, you know, you could, he could continue to, to give them that um, that cushion, but it just puts off the inevitable. And really there are financial considerations here, absolutely, but really it's a it's it's a political problem that's occurring in the Capitol where you have two chambers. I mean I, I don't recall seeing this um, in, in my time here and I've only been here I guess I'm going to say only a decade, a little over a decade, but That's nothing. I know I haven't seen a, a situation where you have the legislature controlled by the same party and, and the, in this case, the Republicans, and they're so fundamentally in disagreement over how to solve this issue and then you have a democratic governor and democrats who have aligned with um republicans in the senate on on how to solve it so until they can figure out that they have to figure and solve that political problem and i think somebody said to me today um and interrupt me if 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 i'm wrong charlie you know If you're House leadership, House Republican leadership, you have to kind of make a decision. Am I going to allow the more moderate faction of my party to vote with, align with Democrats, and vote out a package that some of the conservative members of, of the chamber do not like? because that's really kind of the quickest way to solve this problem. Um, And I don't see a willingness so far to to do that. Um, Uh, They're allegedly
0: discussing, you know, having interchamber conversations right now. But yeah, to your point, and this gets into, you know, again, the political problem here. Republicans would not have the votes in the House to pass a bill that raises taxes. They've shown that they don't. They passed a no tax bill uh, with only Republican support, and not even all Republicans. Republicans, but, you know, it's very likely that they would be able to pass a much more moderate plan just without the Republican majority voting for it. It would have to be the Democrats and some of the more moderate Republicans and some of the conservative ones that are willing to switch over for now. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you really the the conservatives in the House are the ones that control the calendar. So this is their decision, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, is there any, Charlie? Do you see this happening where they go for the well, more moderate plan?
2: I mean, I, I guess that's what's, what's going to bring us back here next week, right? Because uh, <laughs> I mean, right. Angela yeah. summed it up very succinctly. I mean, that's that seems to be what it's all about. Is you've got every almost every other power broker at the at the big table. Mm-hmm. Kind of willing to do this this compromise uh, that would be some mix of borrowing and and some mix of recurring revenue. A lot of it taxes, some of it gambling expansion money. Get
0: to that. They always say they're going to pass gambling expansion. And can can those four
2: those four meaning the the Senate Republicans, the governor, and the two Democratic caucuses can they somehow take their position and meet in the middle with with the uh house republicans and um for the house republicans to do that it's it's very likely that um, you know they're they're either going to have to do something that used to happen up here semi-regularly um i mean i that, that's that's one yeah. of the differences i mean i go back to the thing
0: is that a vote where the majority doesn't yeah right. yes. where,
2: where they where they give up their majority of the majority kind of rule yeah and, and i mean there's precedent for it here in in previous generations I, I go back to that um legalization of slot machines in pennsylvania in mm-hmm. 2004 mm-hmm. and there a
0: time <laughs> i know yeah. but
2: there we had a democratic governor and we had a general assembly controlled by republicans like today and um you had senate leadership that was adamantly personally philosophically opposed to the the legalization of casino style gambling in pennsylvania but guess what in in the in the uh, interests of a larger deal they allowed that slot bill to go through and they voted against it and the majority of the Republicans voted against it but the Democrats and a small portion of the Republican caucus passed it and we have 12 casinos in Pennsylvania today now since um, Terzai and Reed became the leaders of the new Republican majority here um, they have not been willing to do that kind of a deal I mean they 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 have they've they've I can't honestly think of an instance where they've let anything go through that hasn't been supported by a majority of the House Republican Caucus. Yeah. And
0: Mike Terzai has a reputation for being sort of a spearhead of that in yeah. a lot of ways, right? He's that conservative mouthpiece in the yeah, House. Yeah, and maybe place. a
2: little more of an ide- ideologue. But um, I think, um, but but you know, here we are. We're at one of these positions again, and, and um, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to turn out. But I mean, I, I think that um, I think I can see a way that it could turn out, and. Uh, and that would be that, you know. I mean, there, there's, there's, fundamental positions that, that there's common ground on. Like, sure, like they
0: they've all borrow agreed, a billion dollars. Yeah, they've
2: all agreed to do tobacco borrowing yeah. in some way, shape, or form. So let's say they can probably get to a final spot on that where there's going to be a billion dollars or more borrowed against the tobacco settlement, and then. Um,
0: some liquor. In-
2: they've agreed to. That vice package, let's call it, but I'd say gambling expansion is most likely.
0: I gaming legalization is a yeah. big one that they've all agreed on.
2: And um, I, there's a, there's a third element out there that, oh, the fund transfers. I, I believe that because everybody's done fund transfers here in the past. I believe that the Senate Republicans and the governor will agree to some of what the House has proposed Not all in fund transfers. But
0: yeah, it seems likely.
2: And then what's the the fourth thing i mean is is recurring revenue from taxes and and uh i just think that's where the the compromise point is like maybe the senate and the governor um say we'll, we'll take several hundred million of these fund transfers and we'll we'll try to erase out some of the gross receipts tax increase and you guys have to let your members vote on a shale tax. I mean, right, right. So, I well, mean, you, you can these, see, yeah, you can, right. and you may cook up a different mm-hmm. recipe, but, you know, like, everybody can see it. You can see the solution. It's right across the street, right. but they just can't get there because of these philosophical and political differences. Right. And it's, it's crazy. It's the cra- absolute craziest <laughs> budget uh, cycle I've ever seen.
1: Is it? most? Yes, craziest? because it's not
2: even... Yeah because, because it's they're
1: it's, not that far apart no, really it's, on, on it's, um, fundamental things like they have been in the past. Right. Mean, there have been years where
2: the real differences that, amount to yeah. several hundreds of millions of dollars, which is a lot of money to be sure, but in this not context of a state much. budget it's yeah. it's like 1 or 2% of the of the whole deal.
1: Yeah.
0: So I mean I think that's kind of where we are leaving it off for now like they don't disagree on too much there's definitely compromises that could put these things over the line potentially but it's just being held up so I mean we've heard now so I guess kind of to contextualize this the way negotiations have been going on this year is also different than it has in previous years we were just talking about this Angela where uh, you don't get members of different chambers or the governor and the legislators in the the same room they're all doing it via staff so do you think this that's one of the reasons this has been slower
1: yes and no i mean i I think it does help sometimes when they're in a room and there's pressure outside you know there's reporters standing outside waiting to hear what kind of progress you've made and to call you out i guess in theory if you haven't made progress to call you out on that but again like i and 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 maybe i sound like a broken record i I do think it's more of a political problem uh and, and an ideological problem in the sense of you know you have to be willing you have to come to the table with the willingness to make a deal and when they're and and in doing so you have to say all right I'm going to give up a a certain position that I've held on to for so long and that's where I see largely among House Republicans an unwillingness to go there Um, and you know they will argue back and say why should we give up our ideals and it's a fine argument and it's a difficult question to answer but the other point is how long can you allow this to go on? Um, you are g- getting into a, I mean, it's a midterm election next year, but nonetheless, you know, you do have the governor's race, and you have potentially, you know, Mike Terzai um, saying that he's going to run against the governor. So at some point there's going to be, uh, the, you know, the political pressure on Wolf to, to figure it out and get something done is going to get ratcheted up. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's also, I mean, to bring that in, whenever you talk to the House Republicans and say, you know, have you talked to the governor? What's going on? They say, we haven't seen the governor in months. Right. You know, that they're saying he's been very absent from the process. And, I mean, in a way, I mean, Wolf has been more aloof this year than he was, say, in 2015.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's... um I think that's mythology to say that the governor hasn't been involved. He just hasn't been involved he just publicly. He has been in the room I mean, obviously, he has said that he would pass. I mean, his staff his
1: helped negotiate is not a secret. the
2: deal yeah. that the Senate right. passed in July, and um, he has thrown his weight behind that plan. Um, but, you know, the, the leadership question, though, is not mythology, I think. I mean... So, yeah, the governor's been involved. But I, I just think that to the degree that, I mean, he, he certainly hasn't been out there leading on this thing. And, and I have used the analogy of, um, for listeners to the podcast who are old enough to remember Muhammad Ali as a boxer, yes. late, late in his career, he used this strategy called the rope-a-dope. You know, and he kind of held his hands in front of his face. For the and,
0: listener, Charlie's holding his hands in front of yeah, his face. Yeah.
2: And, and it was a very defensive way to fight. Because nobody could get through and and get a blow on him, land a glove on him, and um, that's what I see Governor Wolf as being. He he is. He is. Taking this policy of like I will pick no fight with anybody at any time this year, and I think it's I think it's an intentional strategy as part of his reelection effort um, because he knows that he's you know he, he learned from 2015 right. that you, you can't you can't just beat your head against the wall with these dominant Republican majorities in the General Assembly, so his uh, his solution to that has been. I'll never fight with anybody publicly, and um, I'll, every negotiation is, seems to be done very quietly. They, they're, they're very careful about what they let even leak back channel to the media, yeah. and uh, so it, it it looks like um, a governor who's certainly not leading. And I mean that's that's, but um, but I think that they probably feel it's working for him okay so far because. Uh, if this budget gets done without too much calamity and, and you know schools stay open and so forth, then he can continue to go out there and say, "Well, you know what? I've increased investment in education, um, and
0: got he's we've, got, yeah, he's got, yeah, we've got
2: we've got these other things done, and, and uh, you know I, I'm actually managing this divided government yeah. and, and got getting pension things reform done."
0: reform relatively recently, yeah. Oh, yeah. So sure. I mean,
2: I think it's an intentional strategy to, yeah. to not pick fights, but. Um, But it it sure hasn't helped speed the process along, I don't think. Because he's basically saying to the legislature, I think he's ceding a lot of power to them to say, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I guess kind of going forward then, we've talked about the fact that negotiations are sort of stalled until somebody blinks um, and that they don't seem ready to do that yet. But uh, in terms of time frame, we've said, you know, Wolf has told them October 1st Nine. he wants the budget. That seems relatively unlikely. I've heard, I don't know if you guys have heard different, that they're not going to vote on anything next week. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, what are we, how long is this going to go?
1: You know, I think that October 1st deadline, um, Wolf was interviewed earlier this week about it. And I think he was under the impression after he had spoken early in the week with some of the credit rating agencies that they would be willing to wait until October 1st because there was some sort of progress being made and that there would be a vote by then. Well, Wolf was wrong on that point. I mean, the next day, um, or two days later, the Standard & Poor's downgraded um, the the bond rating. So um, I think that October 1st deadline is not a real one anymore. Um, Maybe it would have been a pressure point to try and avoid the downgrade. But now that it's happened, it's kind of like, well, okay. Well, there's there's no rush right now. We can kind of take our time. And you know, I hope maybe Charlie can speak to this. In, in my experience, I haven't uh, experienced too many conference committee situations in Harrisburg in, in my time up here. But it's always been my impression that, and not that the budget is going to go to to a conference committee, but you know there has been some 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 talk about that. The Senate wants one, right? I, I've always felt that that process, and, and again maybe I'm wrong, that that kind of takes a while. The, the conference committee process sometimes, it's, it's like, hurry up and slow down. Right, well, um, for context, to, to so this get is, it when, this is right. when
0: both the caucuses, um, right. both the chambers, the House and the Senate, they put in three, three. representatives, two right. Republicans and a Democrat, <laughs> if it's a Republican majority. Those representatives, you know, either have a budget plan agreed on or they hammer one out. Right. And then they bring it to their respective chambers. The chambers can vote it up or down. Up they or cannot down. amend it, and that's how we get to a more... A theoretically expedited solution. The problem mm-hmm. is, once you decide to form a conference committee, it's interminable. You can do it. I mean, there's no deadline for acting. With mm-hmm. it. So is that I mean that that kind of your conception it can take forever? Yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: well, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think the conference committee would basically just be the the public face of the continued negotiations, mm-hmm. and, and um, that's the way I would see that. I mean, it's go. really up to the leaders yeah.
0: anyway, and, and they would uh, be these representatives. Yeah. So,
2: but the interesting thing about the conference committee is that. Um, I think the conference committee, in this particular case, could be a way that the House leaders could say we're going to let we're going to let a shale vote go through, but we're not going to support it personally. Because well, that's
0: because they vote on a resolution in a conference committee, right? They're not going to vote on the shale tax themselves, so they can say yeah. it gives them a little bit of distance, maybe.
2: Well, right. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, well, I mean, it depends. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of technological or, or parliamentary stuff right. with this conference mm-hmm. committee because the, it's the fiscal code bill that is what would be subject to the conference committee. Though I guess other bills, I guess other bills could too. They could move a lot of them into a conference right. committee. But but the thing is, like on a shale bill, they could they could appoint you know the Republican leadership could appoint uh, one member who is pro shale tax and one member who is not pro shale tax. And then they could say, "Oh, look, the conference committee report has a shale tax in it. How'd that happen? You know, but 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 there it goes, and it goes for an up or down vote that can't be amended. And All right. so, I mean, that it's it's a mechanism that could allow the shale tax to get through. Um, discharge resolution is another way, where where people who uh, could actually circumvent the leadership to to force a This is issue, when you so. try to
0: go a around vote. the committee right. to get something yeah. onto the floor. Yeah. Although that's easy to circumvent itself because you can just reassign it to a different committee and then they got to start
2: over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that would be part of that would be like the the deal that yeah. would would Terzai or Reed make that deal to say, well, well we have a we'll, we'll let you have that discharge resolution vote. Yeah. So, I don't it, know. we it,
0: coming up in a conference committee on the shell tax on Monday actually, I, I believe. So I don't know if that's going to go anywhere, if that's going to be a final thing, but it's, it's happening.
2: Yeah, I mean, so so I don't know. There, there are some, I don't know, they, you know, it's, your guess is as good as mine as to how and when this thing resolves itself. But it, the, it just seems to me like um, the differences are small enough that they're they're certainly manageable and why wouldn't they resolve it sooner rather than later? I mean, why why prolong this? But, I mean,
0: we always get um. kind of flack from House Republicans for saying it's all up to them, but they are the ones on an island right now. Yeah, they, they are. are. They are. Now, it's are. fair to say that. So, yeah. really, it's up to whether or not Mike Terzai and his wing of the Republican part, Party. I don't think it's unfair to say that. They've been the ones sort of saying no, digging their heels in and on um, tax increases. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Well, I think that kind of sums it up. Anything else you guys think we didn't hit?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, the, I, Katie, it's your show. I mean, if you have <laughs> other... <there's, laughs> Political yeah, races and that much, sort of thing. But yeah, political you know.
0: races, but I'm just on the budget right now, that's yeah. sort of sucking all the air out of the room anyway. Yeah. Um,
2: right. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to see that anything else is. I mean, they're, they're overdue on this, so it's it's hard for them to really get a lot of momentum for yeah. any other. other big issue right yeah. now. Right. Even Mike
0: Terzai and his potential run for governor has been delayed because I think he wanted to wait till the budget was done, and right. God knows that that's ever going to happen. So. All right. Well, on that note, I think we kind of should wrap it up for the day, guys. Thanks so much for coming down. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
2: We love the soundtrack you picked.
0: (laughs) All right. We'll be back next week.